However you got here, you're currently listening to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Thanks for giving us a chance. If today's message speaks to you, encourages you, or just leaves you with questions, you can reach out to us at connect at perryhall.life. So now we're back into the book of James. And this is one of these topics here where we're going is that um, I just say buckle your seatbelt in a sense. Um, it's going to affect every one of us. It's not going to be real comfortable. And James is bringing it out for a reason. Um, in James uh, part four, we're going to see here. We have seen so far a lot to do with trials, with testing, with temptation. Now we're going to see the pathway to sin. We're all guilty of it without a doubt. But there's a whole lot to be said about these words, trials, testing, and temptation. And it depends on what kind of translation you have. Some of these words, they, they lap over. And it's important to understand that you got to know the context of the, of the account that you're reading about. And you need to know a little bit deeper of what that word means. So what I want to do, I want to... Um, I want to read verses 12 through 15, and then we'll backtrack and we'll just unpack a little bit there. So again, we're in um, James 1, verses 12 through 16. And it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we see a lot there with James, and we're really getting into the, into the weeds now with some of this topic stuff here. And keep in mind, James is talking to scattered Jewish people, Christians. They're dispersed, as the word says. And he's, he's like the pastor, if you will. He's a, he's a pioneer of the church of Jesus at that time. And, um, you know, this is something new for the Jewish people as well. So let's backtrack and unpack this a little bit. And we see back in verse 12, it says here, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now, when we see this word bless, I think a lot of times we understand going back to the Beatitudes, it means happy. But a little deeper, it means to depict someone who receives divine favor. That's probably a really good definition of it right there. Someone who, who receives divine favor. I was reading uh, somebody's um, uh, teaching on this, and the guy says, this word blessing is like almost saying congratulations. Congratulations is the man for the man who endures temptation. It's kind of like you made it through. And then it says, and when, and when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So we see here that we're all going to go through things in life. We're all going to go through tests, trials, temptations however you want to look at it. But let me kind of bring a little bit of separation. What is what here? A temptation is something that entices a person to do wrong. Okay, just think about this for a minute. It's an idea of saying, you know what? I want to, I want to, um, 
I want to take Tom's wallet when he gets up. Got a lot of money in it right there. And I want to, now that temptation in my head is not a sin. The sin is, is when I come down, making that first step and coming down there and taking Tom's wallet. Now, the point really is that's when the sin takes place, but the sin is not in the temptation. A trial is a situation in which God provides a person an opportunity to do right. See, God wants us to do right. He wants, he's showing us, hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do to do right. God's never tries to trip us up. He never tries to allow through circumstances something that would destroy us. He's really trying to build us up. He's trying to build our character up. So keep in mind, as we're going here, this is what God wants to do. God's on your side. He's not trying to pound you and say, you messed up again. You did wrong. You follow me? Trials do not necessarily make, make you or make a test or being tested or tempted. That's not what a trial is all about. But James makes it very clear here that trials are definitely not temptations coming from God. So that's the main point there. Don't think because you're going through something, oh, God's tempting me now. God wants me to do something wrong. It doesn't work that way. In verse 13, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. You know, so many people want to blame God. A situation takes place in their life. They want, they want to go right to God and blame God. God, why did you allow this? Why did this happen? How much more can I take, God? And we just go to God and kind of say, God, you messed up here. It's not God's fault. And hopefully we see this here, that it's not what, what God's desire for us. Bad things don't come from God, only good things. God is not tempted by evil, and he's not going to tempt us with evil as well. God has no evil in him. He's not evil. So he's not going to tempt us with evil. God doesn't cause evil. He has no evil within him. He's not going to cause evil. Many people will think an accident, you know, a lost child. God, why did you do this to me? No, God didn't do this to you. We got to understand the works of the enemy as well. And we also got to understand the works of our own heart. But it's God's very own nature. It's his very own nature to, to be against uh, evil. I mean, that's what he's all about. God's a holy God. He wants you and I to be holy. So he's not going to want us, he's not going to treat us with evil and see what happened. God wants to rescue us from sin. He's not trying to draw us closer to sin. You get the point here? You get the point? God is not the one who's doing bad things to you. He's not going to do that. Now, does he test people? I think we see that in scripture. He tests us. We see it many times in scripture, really. But a test is to make you better, not to make you worse in the eyes of God. Temptation is to destroy us, to destroy the follower of Christ. But let me give you an example of a test. And we talked a little bit about this last week. If you're a student in school and you get a test, now the test is going to show the student where that student is at. The test is also going to show the teacher where the student is at. Most of the times the, the teacher already knows where the student's at, but the teacher's going to get more on that. But the student is going to say, wow, 
I need to work in this area here. And that's what God does. He says, you need to work on this area here. You need to have more patience in a situation. Does something trigger you and all of a sudden you get angry and you've been getting angry, you've been dealing the same way for the past 10 years, you haven't changed any? You got saved, you became a born again Christian and you're still getting triggered by certain things? How do you handle things? Maybe you need to take the test over again. Maybe you need to go back and study for the test so you handle the situation next time. That's God's intent here. Testing is to build you up. Temptation is to tear you down. Testing is good. Temptation is evil. Testing matures us. Temptation destroys us. So when we look at these different things here that James is bringing out, he's trying to say, heads up here, you 12 tribes. This is what you're going to deal with. You got temptation, you got testing going on, and he's trying to say, hold the faith. Just hold the faith here. God can use a situation as a moment of testing. He really can. Satan can use a situation as a moment of temptation as well. So we have to be careful when we understand that trials, testing is really to mature us. Now, I need to say this again. James is a pastor here. So he's right into his church. He's a pioneer of the church at this time. So he's coaching his people, almost just like we're hearing the word of God right now. It's for all of us to understand what is the temptation in our lives and how to flee from it. We'll see it here in a minute. Okay, James, uh, verse 14 now. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Now, this desire means lust. It means impure desire and entice to lure, to bait a hook and set a trap. Okay, so if we just look at that for just a minute here, we all go through this. We all go through this, I think, daily, without a doubt, that certain temptations, but you can see it's, it's, it says here, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. In this text here, it doesn't even talk about the devil. It doesn't talk about Satan at all. It doesn't talk about demons. It doesn't talk about the uh, different possibilities out there. But it says that he is drawn away by his own desire. Now, first of all, temptation, again, is not sin. But then it goes on and says, I'll read again. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Okay, so your own desire is, means to lure. It's to bait a hook or set a trap with bait. So it's almost like some type of fishing term. I don't know if anybody's a fisherman. I'm not a fisherman at all. I do like salmon, but that's about it. But the point, but the point here is what's a lure? A lure is that thing you hook on the end of your hook, right? And, you know, sometimes they spin, and it's to get that fish's attention. That fish is underground and whatever, under the muddy water, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, this, this thing is, this hook, it's got this spinning thing on here. And it's getting your attention. And the fish grabs it and, and he's hooked. And this is what the word is saying here. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Verse 15. Then when desire, again, is lust or impure desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, 
brings forth death. We begin to see the path of sin, and we all have to deal with it. We all have to be honest with ourselves. We all have to realize we all have this problem on a daily, on a daily um, thing in our lives. But sin is like a magnet. Verse 15, then when desire again, I'm going to say when desire, that lust again that's in our heart has conceived, it gives birth. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So where does the, where does the sin come in? Not at the temptation part, but in the action part. Again, if I'm going to steal Tom's wallet, the sin doesn't, it's still, it's, the thought's still in my head, but it's not until I walk off the stage, go down there when Tom goes to get a drink, drink of water, and I'm going to take his wallet. That's not true, but I'm just saying. This gives you an example. So where did the sin start? I'll tell you where the sin started. When I went like that. Not when I went down there and got his wallet, but when I made the move. So sin is the same way. When we make the move, then it becomes sin. The temptation's not sin, but it's when our desire has conceived and action has taken place, then the sin is involved. But I want to say this again. Sin is like a magnet. It just constantly pulls on us. This is why uh, in the natural, we're continuing to default to sin. All of us are. All of us are. Every day we're defaulting to sin, whether it's thinking of certain things. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about pornography. You know, we talk about bad movies. We talk about uh, having bad attitudes. All the whole list goes on here. But why do we always want to be pulled back to sin? Why is that? You know, well, you go back in the word of God in Jeremiah 17, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? So we're coming into this world with, with a sinful nature because it's a fallen world. We're living in a sinful uh, society and it's continuing to get worse and worse without a doubt. So we see here scripture saying our hearts are like that magnet. You know, so many times I would use the example of you don't have to teach a child how to be bad, you know, because it's just natural. They just, you know, keep your hands off the table. You know, don't do this. Don't, you don't have to tell them how to be bad. You got to struggle your whole life telling your kid how to be good. And then you hope for the, for the right return there. First Kings 839 says it this way, for you alone know each human heart. For you alone, each, now who, what are you talking about? Talking about God. Only God knows your heart. Nobody else knows. It's like, it's like God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what's in your heart. And our heart, as we've seen back there, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So there's a battle that's going on in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls. We talked about this in our in our small groups on Wednesday night, talked about the spirit, soul, and body. When you're born again Christian, you have the spirit of God inside of you. So what's the problem? The problem is your soul. This is why we got to renew our bodies on a daily time, not just once in a while, you know, not just on a Sunday morning. It's a continuation because we live in a polluted life. <laughs> so we got to continue to renew our mind. And the only way we re renew our mind is through the word of God. Is your time with God, it renews it. This is why it's got to be done on a daily basis, because if not, 
If not, you're going to fall into these different areas. But if anything, we're learning here what a temptation is. And Ephesians 4.27 says this. I'm starting to wind down here. Nor give place to the devil. Nor So God is saying, don't give place for the enemy. How do you give place for the enemy? Well, you begin to entertain certain things in your, in your mind. You uh, watch something a little too long. You know, you, you have an attitude that's maybe just not right. And you continue to feed on it instead of putting it out and quenching it. So don't give the devil any space in your mind. Now, James says this here. Therefore, James 4, 7, we'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a promise from God. We resist the devil. He's going to flee. He's going to flee. But here's the most important part, I think, anyway. Submit to God. You have to submit to God. If you're not submitting to God, the devil's not going to flee. Let me tell you something. The devil will have field days on us if we don't put our armor on and if we don't know the word of God. He's going to work us over. And, you know, the devil's under our feet. But if we don't understand that, we're going to get beat up. But when you submit to God and you resist the devil, God's promising you the devil will flee. The devil will flee. So I know this was a kind of a, a beat up type of message. Even Josh, when he was putting these, these uh, verses up there, he was kind of saying, man, I'm really going to hit everybody hard or something like that, he said. And it's not really intentional. It's just the way James is... <laughs> is working through this series. But don't give up. If you're being tormented, don't give space for the enemy. And God is on your side. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, this is where it takes place. It takes place with you going to God and saying, God, help me in this area. I'm fighting temptation. Okay, it's not a sin yet. I'm fighting this temptation, and it's a war that's taking place in my mind. But Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I need your strength to get through this temptation because I don't want it to become a sin. Amen? So God wants us to be holy, and, we, and he knows our, our struggles but he doesn't desert us as well. He's on our side. He gives us, he lets us go through these testing to see where we need work in our lives. And let me say, we all need work. So make sure you learn your lesson through a testing. Don't go through it. If you seem like you're going through the same thing over and over again, I would say this, you gotta go home and study better for the test because you're getting it over and over again, amen? Okay, so let me just encourage anybody, we can stand at this time here. Remember the prayer teams on the left, and on the right side here, um, if you need prayer coming up, you heard me say something about if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, if you're born again, I'm just to say things like that. You may say, what does that mean? Well, if you don't know what that means, I beg you to come up to the prayer team and let them talk to you about being born again. Because all this, all this great information in scriptures is gonna work if you're born again, if you're saved. If not, you're going to be paddling upstream because you don't have God's supernatural power to help you. Amen? Well, again, I do want to say Happy Mother's Day to the moms. Uh, moms, thank you. Thank you. Grandmoms, thank you. So many, so much uh, has taken place with moms and, and what an influence that you have on your kids. 
I'm going to pray, and then the worship team will close us. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I do thank you for the moms, the grandmoms, great-grandmoms, present, and even past tense, Lord. I thank you for them. I thank you for the good influence that they have put upon the children. And Lord, I pray your hand to be on these moms right here and who are watching online as well. Lord, that you would just give them a special blessing today. Lord, I believe that moms are most important uh, jobs in the world, being a mom. There's nothing more important than that because the mom has the, the influence to raise a child in godly ways. So Lord, I thank you for that power that you have given moms. And Lord, I thank you for this day right now that we celebrate moms. And Lord, we thank you for so many blessings. I thank you. I thank you for your mom, Mary, Lord. Father, what a great young girl that she was. I see there's so many mothers in the Bible, Lord, that you've used in a powerful way to influence Timothy's mom and grandmom. You influence Timothy to be where he was at at that time. So Lord, we don't under, ever underestimate the power and the importance of moms. And Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word in James, Lord, as we go through testing and, and trials and, and temptations. Lord, that you're on our side. You're not trying to clobber us over the head. You're just trying to mature us more and more in you. So Lord, bless each and every one of us today. And it's in your son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for giving the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast a chance. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and if you want to know more, we've got everything you need at perryhall.life.